Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action, sci-fi, suspense, horror, classic, Predator, one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And today we are talking about Minute 24 of Predator, the Ken Griffey Jr. of Minutes. Uh, but in the bottom of the eighth, Hope stepped to the plate in the form of who else? The 1-0 pitch on the way to Jr. Swung on and Dalton! Ah, the Marshawn Lynch. Ah. Of minutes. There we go. Turn and handle Lynch left side. Finds a little bit of a hole. Keeps his legs moving. He's across the 40. Midfield. 45. He's on the run. Lynch. 40. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch. Unbelievable. The Mike Devereaux of minutes. Very nice. <laughs> uh, as, as a Braves fan, I just can't help throwing in some iconic Braves figures. Uh, Mike Devereaux in 1995, when the Braves won the World Series, he won the 1995 NLCS MVP. And all mm. he really did was hit a three-run home run and a sweep of the Cincinnati Reds. So, so <laughs> they're like, well, like they beat him pretty bad. Like, who do we give the MVP to? I don't know. How about a guy who hit a home run? Great. <laughs> Great. There it is. Mike Devereaux. Uh, was it even at a pivotal time or was it just like while it they was were not. laying it on? Yeah. <laughs> it was it was turning like a 2-0 lead into a 5-0 lead in the seventh. Mm. So and like I said, it was already it was the pivotal. It was the clinching game. So they're already right. three games to none. Ah, your Atlanta Braves minute. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta Braves minute. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking minute twenty-four of Predator. Minute twenty-four opens with Dylan. Dylan and Hawkins watching the action, and ends with Dutch activating a satchel charge in the bed of a pickup truck. Yes. Ooh, oh boy, man. John, we are so close to explosion. Yeah, edging as close as you can to uh, Explosion Town without quite crossing into that town. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get uh, a little preview of this minute. We're going to talk about uh, bad lookout guards again. We've got yep. uh, some sort of generator, make- makeshift <laughs> generator made out of a, a, an old truck, an old yeah. Jeep of some sort. We've, yep. got, uh, we've got a couple deaths. This is a good minute. We've got all sorts of good uh, little tidbits to break down here. Yeah, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. So should we start at the beginning? We shall. That'll be the best place. Yeah. So the beginning kind of carries over from last minute. Like, in, in fact, the very beginning of this minute is still the sweeping shot of the camera. Mm-hmm. And we get Good that whip really... pan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a whiplash almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, really fast pan away from uh, Little Smokey. Little Smokey. Who's met Little his Smokey. demise. <laughs> Little Smokey. Little Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that drop, I was listening to our last episode, and every time that came on, <laughs> I start, I couldn't stop laughing. It was just, <laughs> yeah, it's just like this little happy chipper voice. Little, little Smokey. Little Smokey. I have a and, feeling that... Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. <laughs> oh, man. the uh, Playing the Juan Valdez commercial at the beginning was inspired. Yeah. So, so good. Uh, uh, all right. Well, you. poor little Smokey is little Smokey. is is taken out. Little Smokey uh, pulled up behind the tree, <gasps> and so that we get that quick pan back up, and we see Dylan. 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 And 
who's that Hawkins? Yeah. Um, and they're hanging up there behind the log, having the, the lame lookout duty that they got given in our last minute. Mm-hmm. And they're looking out. You, you mentioned that Dylan is looking out through tiny binoculars here. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you would think like just seeing Arnold's binoculars, like why isn't he using Arnold's? But maybe Ponchito didn't give them to him. But yeah. at the same time, Arnold's are like so much bigger. <laughs> like so way bigger. Way bigger. Um, <laughs> even though like in the jungle, I imagine having something smaller and lighter seems more practical and just overall like more tactical. But <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, it's just so funny to look, look at him. He's looking through like, and he's wearing these little black gloves. So it's, it's almost like he's just like, like a fancy man, just that little yeah, shindig or something like that. They're kind of like OJ gloves. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, the, yeah. if the gloves fit, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Gotta quit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So they're looking out from behind the the log. Uh, do we think that's the same log that they originally kind of slid down the hill to? I think so. I think this is like some kind of lookout log or something like that. Just <laughs> <laughs> lookout log. Lookout log. That's where all the and- kids hang out on the weekends and make out. <laughs> They park their old like communist trucks there and <laughs> hook it up to an old generator. Yeah. Pump water. Yeah. <laughs> but but Dylan, uh, and I forgot to put this in my notes originally, but Dylan right here, um, after it whip pans over, he says, One down. Believe that's the only uh, dialogue in this minute. Uh, so I thought originally this was a dialogue free minute, but no, we have a one down. And then he right pans over to see to see uh, Mac and Blaine continuing their approach to the machine gun nest. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor little Smokey. The only eulogy he gets is <laughs> one, one down. down. <laughs> it's gonna go on his gravestone. <laughs> oh. Little Smokey. Little Smokey. One down. Little Smokey. One down. Yeah, that's what I say every time I eat a little smoky too. One down. <laughs> One down. <laughs> Take it out of the crock pot. One down. One down. Oh, like where you have them cooking in the barbecue sauce or whatever? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, it's like a really bad choice, but like so tasty. Just oh. <laughs> what you're gonna be counting them later. One down. One down. <laughs> One My down. wife and I love it and have like a bad for you snack during a football game or something we'll get yeah cookies and throw them in the crock pot with some with some stuff it's so yeah. good yeah. and if you really want bad for you you get the kind with the little like fake cheese inside oh like oh you mean the little smokies come with like the little fake cheese still inside of oh, it oh yeah oh I remember as a kid eating like the full size hot dogs with the cheese in them, thinking like right. this this is amazing. I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe like this is like nobody thought of this before. It's kinda like I don't know if you ever had the goober peanut butter and jelly. It's oh, like peanut yeah. butter and jelly in the same jar. Right. Is there a point to that? I mean I mean I'm lazy, but I wanna meet the guy that needs that. Some guy going, you know, I could go for a sandwich, but uh, not gonna open two jars. I still like occasionally have tried that, and it's like that's not bad. But most other people are just saying like, that's gross, that's wrong. Yeah, I see that in the grocery store, and I have like an aversion to it. I'm like, oh god, it's like it's like we're seeing canned meat or something. I'm like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> that's not natural. It's like those vertical stripes, gross. <laughs> 
That's how you know it's good. Those are quality stripes. (laughs) (laughs) That's disgusting. (laughs) Oh, okay. Where were we? A little smoky. One down. One down. Um, Okay. So this next sequence is pretty cool because we get uh, kind of a up from above view, Mm -hmm. look looking down on uh, Mac. 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 And and Blaine. And they're headed up toward the machine gun nest and our friend Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Mm-hmm. Juan Valdez. Yeah, Juan <laughs> Valdez. And we learned something about these bags. Yeah, the bags. Um, initially, when you're looking at them, um, as they're looking through the binoculars, Dutch and, well, yeah, just Dutch, I guess we see him, his vision through the binoculars. And then I guess we see Dylan, yeah, after they guard throwing here. But yeah, initially, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking these bags are sandbags. But no, you see the top down. They see Azucar, uh, Spanish for sugar. So they're using these sacks of sugar as their reinforcement up there in the machine gun nest. I, I just thought that was uh, an interesting little not yeah. twist, but like a little aversion a from expectations. Right. I know you totally think that would be sandbags, but it is Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. Perhaps he enjoys <laughs> yeah. sugar in his coffee. <laughs> yeah. We just need to see some cows in the camp, just like, <laughs> and also like cream, la crema. <laughs> Why are all these cows here? What are my coffee? Juan Valdez. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing so why do you think they have sugar sacks and not sandbags that's a good question <laughs> um i all i can think of is like that's is like harvesting like cane sugar is that like a thing in south america i always think more like hawaii but uh yeah I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm sounding very stupid right now. Maybe they went into town looking for bags of sand and all they could find was bags of sugar. <laughs> I don't know. That, pretty... That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe just like, maybe even prop wise, because they're close to part of Iarda. Maybe they're looking for some kind of sacks or something like that. They don't have to ship in and fill up. But yeah. hey, like, the local Mercado has just a bunch of these uh, bulk bags of sugar that we can use. I just thought of something. Maybe what? the bags themselves just say sugar on them and mm. they grab the bags and just fill the bags with sand or dirt. Ah. Mm. That's a good, that's a pretty good idea. They, they could have just filled them with whatever. It doesn't even have to be because, right. you know, it could be like you're saying, it could be dirt because like when you're seeing Blaine kind of making his way, it looked like they kind of dug into the hillside there. So maybe they packed the extra dirt. They're just like, oh, we're just going to use every part of the mountain here. We'll right. put it into our defenses. Okay. So we see poor Juan Valdez's demise. Juan Valdez. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like Juan Valdez. So when you first see Mac, Mac. Mac, uh, Mac. approaching this i guess i'll call it the sugar stack um stack <laughs> <Mac>. <laughs> like you see you see one vel does his his gun the yeah. uh, the valmet m7883 light machine gun but then a couple seconds later when you see mac doing his bird whistle still with the bird's eye view it cuts back and forth between mac and blaine um juan valdez's hat is all of a sudden right next to the machine gun yeah um, on its on its bipod so I, I thought that was interesting, like a little error in continuity that like, <laughs> right. you know, maybe most people don't notice, but I noticed it. Yeah. Well, um, and we get this nice, I, I like the shot from up above and his hat is sitting there by his gun and, uh, and Mac, Mac, Mac. is doing his little whistle, but he's holding that knife. That, that knife is imposing. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that yeah. big curve on it. Like mm-hmm. that's gnarly, and like knowing that he just grabs him and just <laughs> stabs him with that thing. That yeah. is br- brutal. 
And we also learned that Juan Valdez had a friend up there, right? Am I am I looking at that right? That there were two guys in the sugar stack? Yeah, two guys in the sugar stack. So you see Mac um, totally like do this grab stick kind of move yeah. after Ooh. Juan Valdez leans over, sans hat, um, and then just totally tosses them all in one motion. It's great. It's a yeah. it's and very he goes, professional. Juan Valdez goes... <laughs> So Juan Valdez, so he looks like I don't know if if you're looking at the same like couple seconds I am like yeah. Juan Valdez is pretty much just kind of pulled down like a rag doll, just pulled like straight down. Then Jesse Ventura and the <laughs> Jesse Ventura blade in the background is totally doing this like wrestling throw. Just he throws the body like. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I was like, he just stole one of his own wrestling moves. Yes. Everybody wants to know Jesse the body's private life because they know Mean Gene that I date and take out some of the most beautiful women in the world. I've heard that. They go for my hair. The hair. And I, I totally think that's Jesse Ventura actually tossing the stunt, man. I don't think that's like a dummy at all. I think that's Jesse saying like, oh, I'm going to throw this guy like. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's pretty funny. Now, we don't see that other guy like get killed. I mean. No, but but Blaine does take out his knife. Um, okay. When, right before Mac takes out his knife. And I think they have pretty similar knives. Let me see if you can see Blaine's. It's hard to tell, but my guess oh, is they're pretty right. similar, just kind of yeah. stock knives. Yeah, he grabs it. I missed that earlier. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, so he must body slam him and then <laughs> to add insult to injury, just stab him in the chest or yes. neck, I'm assuming. <laughs> just, yeah, just somehow no sound in all this ruckus. Like nobody's going, ah, like Juan Valdez just totally just kind of does this. Ah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Man, worst lookouts ever. Even when they're dying, they can't alert anybody yeah. to what's going on. At that point, Juan Valdez Juan has Juan pretty Juan. much given up, right? I mean, he's already like not looking the right way. He's not holding his machine gun. He's taking off his hat. It's he's not even Juan Valdez anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's just he's given up on it. He's a corpse. Yeah, yeah. And then then um, we really see some good John McTiernan directing camera movement rack focus because yeah this, as is, this part's cool all in the same motion right it goes from Matt pulling him down it cuts to right the body slam in the background with jesse ventura and um mac pulling juan valdez's ragdoll body down um it moves pans over slightly to the left dylan, dylan. comes into focus oh the beautiful rack focus he was just watching all along in that scene mm-hmm scene he gives us just <laughs> what looks like a very like shit eating kind of grin with a thumbs up like yeah like we're on arnold and then arnold he does right? you talk yeah. about dylan, dylan right yeah, yeah. <laughs> dylan and then right arnold he's, he's he's in the foreground initially and he's out of focus and then he comes into the foreground after the thumbs up with another rack focus like back to back rack focuses back to back jacks back to back racks i'm just super excited about that yeah and that's really cool because it gives us a really good feeling for the geography of where mm-hmm. they are i feel mm-hmm. like because you get the that shot kind of from Dylan's Dylan. point of view. You're kind of looking Dylan. down on the sugar stack and then the camera flips and we see him up by the log. And then you kind of get this really good sense of kind of the, where everything is in position. There's kind of a triangular layout of where everybody is. And in that sort of split second there, I guess it's like two or three seconds. All that is very clearly um, established. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. And that kind of, that kind of execution 
not just team wise, but crew wise, uh, camera wise, uh, I, I feel like really tightens things up and it, it wastes less time than I think your average action movie or action, average movie in general, uh, than the, the time that they would waste trying to show everything. It's like, oh, like this stuff should be happening simultaneously with such right. a, a well-trained team. Yeah. And it, it we've talked about this quite a bit, but it just continues giving you the feeling that everything is fast. They're moving efficiently. They're a well-trained, uh, high Really, um, cooperative, efficient team. And uh, right after that rack focus on Arnold into the foreground, we get that nice stare. He's kind of looking in the camera's direction, but past the camera down at the camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see Arnold kind of get up from his position and start walking. So I made an illusion here in my notes that like back in the early 2000s, there's all sorts of like little parody videos and such. And uh, at the time, the Metal Gear Solid videos were super popular. They're all over the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. Um, and there's just the the whistling that Mac does really reminded me of a funny Metal Gear Solid parody video where Snake is trying to sneak up on some guards and he's around the corner and he's back his back is to the wall or some crates or something like that and he's just totally banging on these crates trying to draw the guards attention they're just not paying attention he's whistling he's clearing his throat he's making all sorts of sound and the, the guards are just not paying him any attention and, and finally he just kind of farts on accident and the, the guard is like <laughs> what was that and then running down towards him i just i don't know did you ever play the metal gear solid games where stealth was i uh, i know of them but i i did not play them no you play any stealth games um i played some first person shooters that you know you kind of have the option of there's different ways you can play levels you can either try to beat a level stealth or Mm. you can just try to go in and you know smash and and grab everything. Bond, so we were talking about Goldeneye yeah. last episode. Goldeneye was kind of that way in that you could you could choose to kind of rush in and just try to shoot everybody or you could try to stealthily kind of maneuver your way through the through the game. Yeah, yeah. like so many weapons had silencers. That was, yes. that was part of the cool part. Like, yeah. I did play uh, uh, Hitman at one point. One of the mm. early versions of Hitman back okay. when I had a... Was Hitman out on like... I want to I want to say I played it on like GameCube, but am I crazy for saying that that they would make a Hitman for GameCube? And you know, I I don't know. GameCube was one yeah, kind of I think I was I was done collecting at that point. Yeah, somehow. it was around that time. So maybe it was on a PlayStation platform that my roommate had at the time perhaps, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely a stealth game. I enjoyed that one. Okay, yeah. I never played the Hitman, but a couple mm-hmm. more notes I was going to make real real briefly was that uh, in the original script, I think you would have liked this, but in the original script, um, they're looking around through the binoculars mm-hmm. after um, Matt Back. and Blaine take out the guards. And they look over at the machine gun nest <laughs> and Juan Valdez's hat rises up and the eyes of Mac Back. meet the eyes of <laughs> Dylan through the binoculars or Dutch through the binoculars. It's, it's so funny how it's just like... Matter of fact, in the script, like <laughs> so what they do, funny. they didn't—they didn't just take them out of the nest; they just took their places. Uh, I think a lot of times you will mention stuff from the original script that's not in the movie, and I'm always like, "That's a good thing they removed." This yeah. one, I kind of wish they had left it in. <laughs> God. I, yeah, I so wish that we see Mac <laughs> Juan Valdez's head just looking up, all serious-eyed, like yeah, and like maybe if I mean, <laughs> have we seen Mac smile at all yet in the entire film? Does he ever? smile like if mm. i i would love that if his only smile in the whole movie was when he put on that hat and like looked oh. back up at 
at Dutch or Dylan. Dylan, or that'd be great. Yeah. I think I think the one time he smiles is when he's reminiscing about he and Blaine doing their adventure things um, after Blaine is killed, and then oh, he's yeah, okay, sitting at the camp. He's looking at the moon, talking to Blaine, talking to Blaine's Jedi ghost form or whatever. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was gonna start a count of. Yeah, all the all the all the kills we've seen so far on screen or off screen in this movie. And yeah. by my 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 count so far, I think we have nine. Um and I'm going that's kind of that's a conservative number. So I, what I'm counting are the two pilots. Um Pancho, Panchito mentioned that they're uh each shot in the head by the gorillas. Right. Um the one hostage we saw executed. <clears throat> It's kind of out of order, but um, the three green berets we saw um, killed and skinned hanging from the tree by the predator because we mm-hmm. don't know what happened to the other three. Little Two. Smokey. Little Smokey. Little Smokey, yeah. <laughs> Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez. And then the other guard up there with uh, Juan Valdez. The Am I name, missing anybody? The nameless guard. I think that's all of them. But um, when you said it was nine, I was surprised. It's more than I would have guessed, but you're right. That's all of them, yeah. There is nine. I think it's because some of those kills happened off camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Until we see uh, Juan Valdez Juan and Valdez. his buddy killed, like everything's been off screen. You can even argue theirs are a little bit off screen because it's just yeah. kind of like they're quick taken out of the nest and then it's onto the next. Out of the sugar shack into the grave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to look ahead to next minute too much, but we're going to see this number really start to jump. It really hold hold on, everybody. Right. We're gonna lose count. Right. We're gonna lose count. We're gonna have to yeah do some counting like second by second in the next frame few minutes. Frame. Yeah. yeah, frame by frame. Oh, there, 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 there. Um, yeah. So what what do what do we see next? All right. So after the little rack focusing here, we we see Dylan. He's Dylan. Dylan! Dylan! And uh, gets up from his position, moves down the hill. And then we get a shot of the camp. Mm. And in the foreground, we see this old truck that has a back wheel spinning with no rubber tire on it. There seems to be some sort of belt hooked to it. Mm-hmm. We see a, a guard on the left uh, sitting down, <laughs> facing the wrong way. Facing towards the camp again. Again. <laughs> um, <laughs> More on him in a moment. <laughs> yes. And and then we get the reemergence of one of our favorite characters, Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Moon- <laughs> and Moonbeam just strolls right across the camp. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching it kind of frame by frame here. Strolls right across the camp. And then as he leaves the frame, we get uh, Dylan's butt enters the frame. Oh, Dutch. Dutch, Dutch, excuse me, yeah, Dutch. D. We get I'm, Dutch. I'm still, I'm not sure. How does Moonbeam and anybody else just miss him? I don't. He's man, literally just... <laughs> right out in the open. <laughs> He's next to that truck right there. He's behind this guard who's looking the wrong way. Yeah, like, <laughs> and as it's, it's kind of ridiculous. As Dutch is walking <laughs> up, like there are, there's Moonbeam and there's another guy in a white hat that's just walking right along there. Like yeah. I know that this generator thing is super loud, but he's not making any attempt to like <laughs> crawl in there or hide. He just walks right in. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. I totally noticed this. Um, his pose right here is is very uh, not reminiscent. It's yet to come. So pre reminiscent. <laughs> I don't know. But this kind of crouched over, holding the M16 with M203 under barrel grenade yeah. launcher. 
it's very reminiscent of one when they're later using him as bait for trap for the trap for the predator. Oh, right. Um, yeah. Um, and two, uh, the Contra cover, because the Contra cover totally stole that image of him uh, walking, you know, oh across God, the you're right. Predator's trap. Yeah. To, so after he kind of comes down the hill, the camera switches perspective. And now the camera's like looking from the camp back at Dutch. And we get a, a better shot of what this contraption is. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Kind of, yeah. So the back tire of this truck, this Jeep thing, is connected to another wheel or gear on what looks like a generator or what I'm thinking is, is a pump because... It is a pump. You, you nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Because then we get for like a split second, they show it and there's water coming out of it. So, and it's like sitting on top of this rec- like square prism. And I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's a well underneath is what I kind of took to be. Yeah, this is like yeah okay. That's a good point. I, I, didn't, I couldn't think of a well for some reason, but yeah, it's sitting on a box. So maybe that box has like a pipe going down through it and like trying to draw water. Yeah. Um, unless there's like a stream or something nearby that that pipe runs to and they just set this contraption up to be elevated so that it would work. I, I don't yeah. see a stream behind Dutch. In fact, what you see is like a little bit of a trail going up for, yeah. he probably just came down the trail. <laughs> just, hey guys. Right. Hey guys. Hey guys, it's me. It's me. It's it's working on the thighs and the tries. <laughs> the thighs and the tries. Don't mind me, I'm just going to pick up the truck here, yeah. Yeah. So what I think we're supposed to assume here is that they're feeding gasoline into the engine of this truck. Mm-hmm. The truck's wheel spins, which then turns the gear of this pump and gives them, I don't want to say running water, but a free-flowing supply of fresh water. But where's this water going? It looks. I mean, right now, this just kind of looks like it's dumping that, onto the ground. That is a great question. Well, for a split second, when they cut back on it, it does look like there's maybe a oh yeah, like a little barrel or container barrel under I there. See it now yeah. you can only see the very top of the lip. Yeah, it and seems make- like a very. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say it's it's making all sorts of great noise. I love the the foley work in this minute. The it's just oh, yeah. the yeah the belt's just going and going and going incessantly. We heard that one a couple minutes ago when they were first when Dutch was first looking um, through the binoculars at the camp from uh, the lookout log. You know, whoever put that belt on that looks like a <laughs> that looks like a belt that was in my 2000 Subaru Outback that I had for a while. Yeah. Like by the end of that that car's life, like the belts were just flying off of it. And, <laughs> Like that belt looks like it's going to come flinging off at any moment. It's like super loose. Yeah. It's not even tight. It's just kind (laughs) of hanging around. Like, I guess I'll pull some water from the the well, guys. Uh, All right. But, you know, it... Considering all, all things considered, uh, not a bad setup, I guess, to uh, bring water into the camp. But it seems like kind of quite the intricate set piece. I guess yeah. they were just looking for an excuse to have a vehicle with a wheel already running, already spinning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess in that regard, it makes sense. But yeah, and that, that's exactly what John McTiernan says in the commentary for this part. He says that in the original script, they just go hucking grenades and that's how the whole 
uh, camp assault kicks off as they're just throwing the M67 hand grenades, the frags and into the camp. Um, yeah. But he, he wanted something to kind of do, I don't know, to kind of lead up to that, to, I, I think, further build the suspense. Because uh, as we see it, you know, rolling in, in the next minute, it's 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 all sorts of like goofy, but suspenseful in, in one moment where you're just oh, going, yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, good on him. It's yeah. freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so inventive, right? He like he throw, he puts his sack charge in there he activates yeah. it it really is because like we're sitting here breaking down like the, the logistics of this contraption <laughs> but when you watch it in real time it literally takes like two seconds you just see it and you know if you're watching the movie you're not focused in on what this thing is or why it's there mm-hmm. you're just excited that oh Arnold's going to pick it up and send it off down the hill, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of a cool, I don't know. I've never seen that in any other movie, right? No, I can't, I can't think of anything else. It's, yeah. it's very like, it's very like Boy Scout of him. Just yeah, yeah. very MacGyver. Yeah. MacGyver. That's the one. Yeah. Tonight on MacGyver. Yeah. MacGyver. <laughs> Next time on MacGyver. Tonight on MacGyver. I'm going to say, what uh, did you have anything more to add about this little sequence here? Yeah, I was just going to quick describe. So uh, he takes out a knife uh, before he, right, he, he puts up the hand to Dylan. He says, wait, like with his hand. And right. Dylan does the, <laughs> Dylan does the funny thing where he puts up both hands to either side of, uh, you know, the, where, Little Smokey was Little Smokey. the sugar stack. I, mm-hmm. I guess in essence, telling people like, "Hold on, hold positions." <laughs> it's just funny because you Dutch don't see up the, to something, uh, right? Touches up to something. It's funny to me because you don't see the other sides of those. You don't see Billy, Panchito, Mac, or Blaine. You don't see their reactions. So you just know that they're like all communicating through these hand signals. Or, they're all just waiting, waiting. We're waiting for Dutch basically to do something, and Dutch does something. He takes out his knife. Um, he takes out his knife and cuts the belt. Yes. Um, and then he places the satchel charge, and I'll talk about each of these here. Um, yeah, the he, knife. Well, we should go ahead. I was just going to say, when he cuts that belt, it's very exaggerated. He yeah. brings his hand way up high and slaps it down. Still, this guard is five <laughs> feet away from him. <laughs> Maybe this guard is deaf, you know? Maybe this guard is like- <laughs> and does not, not hear... Like this thing is making a very loud, but it's rhythmic, you know, like it's like the uh-huh. same over and over again. If someone okay. was five feet away from you and sliced the belt off this thing, you would hear that thing go floing, you know, like fling off. It'd be loud. Yes. Well, it would stop the engine pulling the water from the well. It would right. Just, the that whole, thing would shut off. The whole sound of that contraption would change. <laughs> this guy just sits there. <laughs> he just sits there. Just sits uh, there. He just, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, I mean, just that, maybe if he ignores it, it'll, it'll just go away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that goof aside, so he uh, very, very deliberately chops this. Uh, mm-hmm. belt off. I found a, a fun fact about this. This this comes from geekfeud.com. Ooh, nice. Uh, he he um I believe this is the same knife he used in Commando. The very pronounced where it's right, starting on the side. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Vernon Wells. Gonna shoot you between the balls. Bennett. <laughs> Let up some steam, Bennett. Bennett. Uh, but the, the knife here is called the Life Support System One. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, this humongous 
man killing knife is called a life support system one brilliant <laughs> uh, a handmade knife made by the late jack crane um it says arnold loved the ls1 and requested it for commando crane designed the smaller scorpion and commando for him as well which are seen briefly when arnold flings them simultaneously at two approaching bad guys do you remember this scene in commando where he does this and it's like makes this kind of like almost like blow dart sound this and like totally the two knives oh, go into the yes. gorillas who are yeah i forgot about that but yes i do now when you when you did the whoosh, yeah. <laughs> that brought it back yeah <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering if these are all the same model the ones that mac and blaine are using too because they, they have that very pronounced look yeah and it's all around the same time frame of mm-hmm. filming and you know presumably you would have a lot of the same props and whatnot well yeah the same i believe it's Stembridge. they did the um, weapon supplies for mm. both commando and predator no oh, well, there you go yeah there that makes go. sense mm-hmm. geekfeud.com thank you yeah thank you geekfeud oh wait i saw i'm just looking at your notes yeah if i uh, mention here you said his crane's craftsmanship can also be seen in predator roadhouse, roadhouse. and another one of my personal faves demolition man <laughs> sylvester stallone wesley snipes demolition man oh man i love demolition man <laughs> teddy bear <laughs> be well john spartan <laughs> classic and another classic oh that'd be that'd be a fun one to that would be a fun one chat yeah. about some yeah um all right so are you good on the knife yeah that's that's a knife <laughs> that's this is a knife that's uh a knife. so we got the knife let's see he chops the belt the guy doesn't notice right, still um, not noticing doesn't notice anything just sitting he cuts there a fart his... the guy doesn't notice <laughs> It's ridiculous. Uh, and the final little shot of this minute is cool. We get Arnold placing a little, uh, I learned it's called a satchel charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Satchel charge. I, I couldn't find a lot of stuff on the IMDb for firearms on this. Yeah. Uh, on the satchel charge, they don't have their own linkable page, but they do name it, which is nice uh, for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I put it into the old Wikipedia. So thanks, Wikipedia. Appreciate that. Go off some of their facts. It says the yeah. satchel charge. Ours is a demolition device. Hey, speaking of demolition, man, there you go. Hey, be well. <laughs> Primarily intended for combat, whose primary components are a charge of dynamite or a more potent explosive such as C4, plastic explosive, a carrying device functionally similar to a satchel or messenger bag, and a triggering mechanism. The term covers both improvised and formally des- designed devices. Then it talks a little bit about the history there. And it looks like it started off in World War II and um, later on used in the Vietnam War by uh, both sides, Viet Cong and North Vietnamese. So I'm trying to like, so is the, what would be the advantage of a satchel charge as compared to like one of these Claymore mines? Is it just the idea that it's, it's, you can strap it to your body and it looks like the little trigger or the little switch is right on the outside of the, of the Mm -hmm. bag. And so you just like can drop it, flip the switch and then run away and, and trigger it remotely yeah i think that's the idea and i think this is the 
probably the inspiration, not here in the movie, but the satchel charge itself is, is probably the inspiration for, you know, like putting explosives in a backpack or something like that yeah. and then activating it remotely or something like that. I think the all-in-one kind of carryability of it, because he's carrying over his shoulder, we see yeah. it in, in this minute, and then he just puts it down, clicks it. He doesn't have to open anything. He's not setting a wire to it or anything like that. Although, who knows, maybe he's supposed to have a, a, a trigger, a clacker, kind of like a claymore should have. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, well, I wonder what he's going to do with this satchel. Yeah. Seems like he has a plan in mind. I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah. I did watch a couple of videos of um, military forces using satchel charges. And yeah, these things, they're like I said, they're typically packed with C4. And there's just all these little slots are packed with C4 and all yeah. wired together. And then they're, they're, oh, they're just like destroying these buildings and cars. It's, it's crazy how much punch these things pack. Did you notice that Arnold is wearing fingerless gloves when he, when he puts the satchel charge down? I, I, when I notice it is when he gives the hand up to Dylan. Dylan! <laughs> you see his, his like half-gloved hand, and then we see Dylan's gl- Dylan! like little dainty gloved hands like, oh. I did not, I have not noticed. I'm sure I saw it, but I didn't really register uh, until now that he was wearing those. It reminds me of like, there's always like that kid in your high school that wore fingerless gloves. <laughs> Oh, still. I mean, we're teachers. I mean, we see that. Still. I know. I'm like, really, dude? All right. Cool. <laughs> clubs. cool choice, bro. That's like 90 degrees off, man. Like, you really... <laughs> Need to have them. Did you ever wear fingerless gloves? You ever worn no, them? I, mean, I, I have never worn them. I would say they're not bad for like skiing if you have like good fingerless gloves, but not cotton, right? Not some kind of yeah. textile. Well, and even skiing, setting. it would have to be kind of a like a spring skiing day anyway, right? Or else your, mm-hmm. your fingers would get super cold. I guess it's. <laughs> are they supposed to be like for like bike riders, like motorcycle? I don't understand fingerless gloves. Can someone out there please email us and explain why you would ever want to wear? fingerless gloves well okay okay i do i do have if i want to kind of peek at next minute all um, right i was taking the notes these are he goes to right we, we all know he goes to pick up the pickup truck here in the next minute in the next about 10 seconds so yeah. i immediately couldn't help but think that oh like these are very much like weightlifting gloves because um when i'm in oh, when i'm in when i'm in the old that. garage gym when i'm at planet zabriskie fitness i'm totally <laughs> i have the fingerless gloves on that's that's all i could think of like oh yeah that's when i wear fingerless gloves when just to, so yeah so i was because in my mind i'm like what are his palms cold i don't understand <laughs> now i understand it's for the the traction for the yeah to protect your palms it's for his massive deadlift he's about to What's up guys, Jeff Cavalier, AthleanX.com. We're talking deadlift today, one of the best exercises you can do if you do it right. That's true, okay, I'll give him a pass then, yeah. Yeah, it's Arnold, man. Come on. Give yeah. him a pass. All right. I guess he can wear whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. Um, okay, cool. Well, is that the end of that minute? Did we cover it all? I think so. I, th- I think nice. it's, uh, yeah, really action-packed with our little quick cuts here and there. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the next one. I think we're going to get some explosions. <laughs> I think it's just going to be explosion after explosion. <laughs> and we're going to just, yeah, we're going to enjoy that. We're going to have us some fun. Can't wait. All right. Is this the section of the show where we uh, 
discuss where we can find each other and weekly recommends. Yes, I, I should probably switch that on the notes from now on because like I always do the weekly recommends before the where can people find you. So yeah, I'll make sure to switch that on my future notes because it does <laughs> show up as a little bit confusing. But yeah, we'll talk weekly recommends, the segment of the show where we talk about any apps we've been trying out lately, any delicious gum we've been chewing. <laughs> any legal notepads we're just dying to tell people about Ooh, love a good legal notepad <laughs> i'm just looking around the office naming naming things <laughs> any uh, little baby jumpers we like to put our babies in and kind of watch them play with the toys oh yeah anyway, but yeah why don't you go first jeff well uh we were i've got two things i'll recommend here today um mm. We were talking before we started recording here about a, a movie that I watched uh, the other day when I was lucky enough to be home by myself and have um, the freedom to watch any movie I wanted to at any volume that I wanted to. Oh my gosh! Yeah, as a some, yeah, as someone who has small children, um, it's rare that I get the opportunity to watch a movie like super loud in full surround sound. So anyway, yep. I was home and I put on the original uh, Terminator from 1984 oh, beautiful and it was glorious it had been a while since i've seen term obviously i've seen terminator several times but it probably i'm gonna say it's been over a decade since i've watched it like from beginning to end wow and uh no one was home i cranked that surround sound up yeah um had a nice uh good blu-ray uh of it and uh, boy it was fantastic i had forgotten how kind of unrelentingly fast-paced that movie is i don't i was saying to you earlier john i don't know why in my head that i thought of it as more of a slow burn kind of sci-fi action movie but mm -hmm. it is not like it just never stops going and moving and i love what i was reminded of while watching it was just what a great premise that movie is and i know it sets up a whole series of sequels for better or for worse you know if you've never heard of the terminator i was just thinking back to the very first time people watched this movie having never seen it before like the ideas brought up in this movie and the way it's executed and the way they talk about time travel and mm -hmm. the idea that these machines are going to take over the world in the future and what day is it the date 12 may thursday what year it's just such a cool setup for a story and they execute that setup so well. And then on top of that, you've got kick-ass action sequences and Arnold is like in such good form in this movie. Like James Cameron really understood how to use Arnold before anyone else really did. I'll be back. Yeah. And, and uh, anyway, so that's one of my recommends. If you haven't seen the original Terminator in a while, watch it again you won't be disappointed yeah and we, we talked about the uh the visuals for that a couple episodes ago where we were talking about the predator vision and very similar a few years prior to predator you have terminator right. and he, right. he has his vision going on and you had talked about the police station shootout scene and that's where you see that tactical red and black display. Oh, so um, good. So violent. Yeah, so violent. Um, I remember watching that a couple years ago and one thing that stood out to me was the name of the club where Arnold finds Linda Hamilton. Yeah. Finds Sarah Connor. Um, Connor. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. 
um, the the name of the club, if you remember or if you noticed, was called Tech Noir, and I really like the name of the club. Oh, yeah, because I mean, it w- that paints a picture of like what goes on at the club, but also really paints a picture of what you'd call that genre of it's. There's like a lot of mystery and kind of sleuthing going on by the Terminator and by uh, Michael Bean here at the beginning. It is kind uh, of a movie. noir at the beginning. You're it right. Is. Like it's got that because the movie is very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a mystery going on there. I, and I just love, like, I had forgotten how the Terminator shows up and just starts killing all the Sarah Connors in the phone book. Sarah Connor? Yes. Yeah. And, like, what a great setup for the beginning of that movie. Like, we learn about this character. Her name is Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor. Yep, Sarah Connor. And, like, just what a great way to build suspense. Like, holy shit, like... She's she finds out sort of as we find out that there's uh, what she thinks is like a crazy serial killer that's mm-hmm. killing everyone named Sarah Connor for God knows what reason, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just the whole way that movie unfolds is really brilliant. It's it's so good. I mean, I I love Terminator Two for many many reasons. I have a lot of nostalgia for that movie for. I could go on and on about how much I love Terminator 2, but man, that first Terminator, just for the originality and, and, and storytelling and ingenuity that it brought to kind of sci-fi action movies, is, can't deny it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the first one way more than the second one just because of the, the rawness of the movie and of Arnold and of James Cameron. Yeah. It's just something like this had never been seen before. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. It seems like it seemed like the '80s were a good place to put those kind of movies. Like, hey, we've like done the slasher genre so many different ways, like with people. Like, now it's time to throw aliens and robots at at the system and, and see how that goes. And they're all right. like these big franchise building movies, like Alien, Predator, and Terminator. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, man, so good. I just good I, now I want to watch it again. Yeah. I'll be back. Um, oh, did I say I'm recommending two things? Should I do my second one? Yeah, do I, your second uh, one. Yeah, I'll, this, I'll do this one quicker. Um, so this is a TV show. Uh, many people out there, I'm sure, have watched uh, True Detective. It's an HBO crime drama. Um, the first season of True Detective was fantastic. I think it's one of the best seasons of TV ever made. Starring Woody Harrelson, Matthew McConaughey. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. Mm-hmm. Second season, not so good, um, but the third season just started up and has been really, really good. I think there's four episodes out, so if you've been uh, slacking on True Detective because you didn't like the second season, third season is a brand new story, totally new characters, kind of go back to the south. The structure of the story is more similar to the first season. It's been really good. Check it out. Who are, the, who are the True Detectives in season three? Uh, we get uh, Mahershala Ali is the ah, main character from Moonlight. And yes, and he's really good. And also the second detective is Steven Dorff. <laughs> right? Yeah, from Blade. Uh, yes, yes. But he and he's actually pretty great in it. They both play detectives in the South investigating the murder of two children, brother and sister. Hmm. And uh, the story is told similar to if you've seen the first season, you know they jump around in time a little bit. Hmm. Um and this third season kind of does the same thing uh, 
uh, with pretty great effect. So I don't want to talk about it more because it is sort of a mystery story. I don't want to give away too much. If you, if you haven't been watching because you didn't like the second season so much, which I understand, give the third season a try because uh, I'm really liking it. All right. I'll have to give it a try possibly. Dude, the first season is so good. Okay. It's so good. Yeah. So good. So good. All right. High recommend. Love it. Uh, my yeah. recommend comes from Netflix land. I love finding stuff on Netflix. And uh, oh, yeah. I was watching the Star Wars movies on my paternity leave here lately and um, was watching Rogue One. And I was really liking uh, Mads Mikkelsen in it. I don't know if you know him. He's uh, a Danish actor. He's. Uh, did you see Rogue One, a Star Wars story? I did, but I've only seen it once. So, And I saw, I saw it in the theater, so it was a while back. He played the dad. You see him in the beginning. He's kind of taken away to work on the Death Star. I made myself indispensable. And all the while, I laid the groundwork for my revenge. We call it the Death Star. There is no better name. And the day is coming soon when it will be unleashed. Got it. What's, his, what's the actor's name again? Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, you would totally know him. He's uh, Hannibal in the Hannibal movie or a show oh, yeah, he's the yeah, bad yeah, guy yeah. he's Le Chifre and okay I just looked him up yeah I recognize this guy. he's having a, yeah so Mads Mikkelsen he's having a bit of a resurgence right now um I wouldn't say due to Rogue One but just more like <laughs> due, due to him being an awesome actor yeah no I um, totally know who this guy is yeah <laughs> he's in uh, a couple things uh, I guess he's in something called Arctic I haven't seen that yet but what's funny is the thing I am recommending recommending is called Polar. So, <laughs> I don't know what's next, like Blizzard or the Freezer or <laughs> the Polar Vortex. <laughs> yeah, the Polar Vortex that I've heard yeah. so so much. We're we're gonna have a little taste of Polar Vortex, is what I hear uh, coming on a Sunday. Little, little, little teeny tiny bit here in the Pacific yeah. Northwest. Yeah, yeah, here in the the Pac NW as we call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, P and W, P and West, not as P and Dubs, P and Dubs. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so Netflix just put up a Mads Mikkelsen vehicle called Polar. Uh, it's adapted from a graphic novel of the same name. It follows uh, this. Uh, <laughs> it follows one of my favorite tropes. It follows a, a, a retiring hitman um, <laughs> approaching the retirement age of fifty. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go into the plot much more than to say that it's your typical hitman stuff is going wrong and the agency is turning out that it's bad to um, okay. kind of plot. But uh, just stylistically, I would put it up there with a um, little bit of John Wick, I would say, mixed with your South Korean thriller suspense movies where they're Ooh. just going all out okay. on you're just, selling me here. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It even has a hallway scene reminiscent of, of Old Boy, of course. Ooh. So, yeah, I, I, and I really appreciate how they're doing this a lot with the um, the actors, you know, hitting their middle age years and they're like transforming them into these action stars like Liam Neeson, you know, yeah, and every yeah, movie he does totally. now. I have a particular set of skills. I don't know who you are, I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. I'm going to find you. <laughs> <laughs> Go uh, right. Polar. Okay, I think I've seen Polar come up like 
they're kind of pushing it right now, right? Like when I opened up Netflix, I think it was one of like the big posters that pops up. Yeah, and it has terrible, terrible reviews on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, but then it's all flipped for the audience. And mm. yeah, going into it, I was kind of afraid, but you're like, am I going to like this? And then, yeah, it just plays out, like I said, like kind of your typical John Wick. That fucking nobody. Is John Wick. Uh, if you know South Korean films, there's one called A Company Man, which this really reminds me of. Yes, I think I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if, if you like enjoy those kind of movies, then you're gonna really enjoy this movie. I think. Ooh, all right. Um, just, right. It, 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 there, there's some moments right where it's going extreme on the on the the violence, but you're like, no, it's just all just accepted as a movie and special effects and guacamole guns and all that. And yeah, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you'll have it. It has honestly, it has a, a huge laugh out loud moment for me right towards the end and i'm not going to spoil it but if you watch it let me know if you laugh at the same thing because it goes all for those tropes just one trope after another is hit just checkbox <laughs> and then at the very end there's one huge trope it goes against it just oh it just caught me off guard and i was just laughing my butt off when i saw it so polar all right well i'm gonna um I, i'm a single dad this weekend and my wife's gonna be out of town so after the kids go to bed that might be my the movie i fire up you've, you've yeah. sold me on it i'm down yeah Polar. Yeah, like, likewise, I'll have to check out some True Detective. Mm, so good. Is that where Matthew McConaughey says time is a flat circle? Uh, it- yes. Okay. Yes, he does. Sweet. <laughs> He's really good in that that season. Like He plays his character pretty dang well. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, cool. All right. Polar. It's on the list. Polar. So uh, where can people find oh, you? Oh, you. Well... Expert? If you're just now tuning in, let me give you my Twitter handle. It is uh, Carl with a capital K underscore Hungus with a capital H 314. My name is Carl been expert. Come find me. I'm Jeff Glover. I am on Twitter. I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Facebook. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Carl Hungus Pie. Appreciate hey. that. No problem. <laughs> hey, so where can we find you, John, and Predator Minute in general? Uh, let's see. We can find me managing the Predator Minute accounts of uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, also on SoundCloud. That's where our direct downloads show up uh, every Saturday or Sunday, uh, depending on how efficient I am at editing that week. <laughs> sometimes Saturday night at eleven uh, thirty p.m. Yeah, sometimes Sunday <laughs> at three a.m. in the right three in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you've ever tried to sneak up on somebody all stealth like snake. To get through there, you gotta crawl on your belly like a snake. <laughs> or hmm. uh, you've ever improvised some, I don't know, rolling truck adventure, uh, say in your backyard or I don't know, a neighbor's backyard, then uh, let us know, predatorminute at gmail.com. And like I said, you can find us on those social platforms too. But for Predator Minute, I'm John Zabriskie. And I'm Jeff Glover. And until next time, mm, stick around. <laughs> We're getting closer. Bison the tries. Bison the tries.